The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, I think it's appropriate. Let's give a big round of applause to our graduating seniors. And I want to extend my own welcome for all of you who are here today. Welcome in the name of Jesus. Our text this morning is Psalm 136. And so we're going to read that together. It's a rather lengthy psalm, but I'm going to ask you to participate. And your part is easy because you repeat the same thing over and over again. So if you would, when we read this text, if you'll stand. And in the italicized, if you'll respond, his love endures forever. Psalm 136, the word of the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day. The moon and the stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out out from among them. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. And brought Israel through the midst of it. But swept Pharaoh and his army back into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan. And gave their land as an inheritance. An inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our lowly state. And he freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Well done. Let's pray together. God, for your word, we give you thanks this day. Give us ears to hear, give us hearts to follow, and God, may your word in all its honesty and truth be proclaimed today. For we confess we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. It's in Jesus' name we pray your word to us. Amen. Have a seat. Psalms and the Seasons of Life. God's people have always treasured the Psalms. Because Psalms are fairly unique as far as Scripture goes. I mean, we just prayed, God, we don't live on bread alone, but by every word from your mouth. And yes, it is true, this is a word from God to us, but it's a rare word because these are words from God's people to God. 
And these words have a pretty big expanse of how they're expressed to God. From praise, you'll find things like, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. To deep anger. How can we sing your song, O Lord, while we live in a foreign land? To unspeakable doubt. Oh God, why do you reject me forever? These are honest sentiments to God. These are honest expressions to God. And the church has treasured these things. God's people have treasured these words and taken them to be their own. But like we said, it's not just a word from us to God. We believe it is God's word to us as well. And as one author says, in the Psalms, the community of faith has heard and continues to hear the sovereign speech of God who meets the community in the depths of its need and in the heights of celebration. The Psalms draw our entire life under the rule of God where everything may be submitted to the gospel. Whether it be, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name. The earth is good. The world is right. To God, where are you? that we bring the heights and the depths of our life to God and under his rule. And so the Psalms speak to every season of life. And over this sermon series and this morning, I want to talk about in the Psalms, there are two moves that we think the psalmists make. The first move is what we might call Psalms of Orientation where the world is good and the world is right. And that move, while we wish it would last forever, life tends to not stay the same. It tends to throw us curveballs, more than curveballs, difficult moments. And so there's this move from orientation to entering a new place of disorientation where what happened to the world? I thought I could trust it. I thought it was good. I thought God was good. That's the first move, from orientation to disorientation. And the second move that the psalmist does is when we're in the pit of despair, when we thought life was just about over. God does something new. And the second move is when we're in this place of disorientation, the free gift of God and his grace transforms things from disorientation to a new orientation where circumstances have changed and perspectives have changed. And so over the course of this sermon series that Brett and I are preaching, you're going to hear these moves from orientation to disorientation to new orientation. And hopefully it will give voice, it will give you language, you and I language for our life. That in every season of life, the psalmist has words for us to speak to God and from God for us. Psalms and the seasons of life. In our text today, Psalm 136, it's known as the great recital. It may be, it's not the most well-known psalm, probably Psalm 23 is the most well-known 
but it's up there. This refrain, his love endures forever. You can't help but feel the rhythm of it. Even though it's a long psalm, and you guys did really well to repeat that phrase over and over and over again, but you feel the rhythm of it, and you recite the great and mighty acts of God. And this psalm, this psalm for Israel, for God's people, it is a recital of the seasons of their life. This is who Israel is in this psalm. And they're also saying in this psalm, this is who, not only who Israel is, this is not only who we are, this is who God is. And so it begins with this very orienting refrain. It begins with thanksgiving. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord. He is the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord. He is the Lord of lords. In other words, what he's saying is, Lord, you are sovereign and you are good and the world is right and stable. This is God's people expressing a season of well-being, of satisfaction that evoke gratitude and joy. Seasons of life where, where it's coherent, it makes sense. It's reliable. I remember, like it was yesterday, sitting where you guys are. All their heads come up now. Uh-oh, he's talking to us. The answer is Jesus? That's always the answer, Bible class. I remember sitting where you were. I remember my senior year, and you may not have this experience, but my experience uh, I had such a wonderful senior year. Family life was fantastic. School was really good. I mean, I was ready to get out, but it was really good. Sports, one of my idols, was going really well. Relationships were going fantastic. And I literally, I can vividly remember praying and thanking God for this time of life and praying that it wouldn't end. Have you had those moments in life? Maybe everything's right with your family and you just want it to stand still. And you say, God, thanks. The world actually works. It's enjoyable. It's good. And then the psalmist moves on beyond just thanksgiving and he says, Man, look at creation. He says this. He says, who by his understanding made the heavens, who spread out the earth upon the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to govern the day, the moon and the stars to govern the night. Reminds me of a story I heard a youth minister at a conference saying that they took a trip with a youth group up to Alaska. And in the middle of the night, the youth, one of the youth woke him up in the dead middle of the night. And it was still very, very cold in Alaska. There was still snow on the ground. And he woke him up and he says, hey, you've got to get up. You've got to come see this. And he's 
Of course, you wake up, and if you think someone's waking you up in the middle of the night, you think there's a problem, there's an emergency, who, who got lost, who's hurt, what's going to happen. You know, your worst fears, right, with the youth group. He says, no, there's no problem, but you've got to come see this. And he's like, what? What do you, what? It is like 2 in the morning. Why are you waking me up? He said, you've got to come see this. And he says, I was pretty bitter. The youth minister said, I was pretty bitter. Because it was still freezing cold outside and there was snow. So I had to put on all my gear. And he says, come on. So we go outside and it's bitter cold. And we're tromping through the snow. And we go up over the hill. And we go past some tree and we get out from the trees. And he's like, what in the world? It is 2 a.m. It's freezing cold outside. What do you want? And he says, he gets out there and the whole youth group is standing outside in this clear opening, and they look up in the sky, and they go, look! Look what God did in the northern lights, which they'd never seen before. And he says they spent about another hour just looking at the northern lights and what God did, singing and praising God, because he made the heavens and the earth And he says, it wasn't as cold. I don't remember it being that cold after we started singing. He goes, at that moment, the world was riding good. Have you had those moments? You see a sunset, or you see something, beauty of God's creation, and you go, yes, the world is good. And the only real response when life is good and creation is good is thanksgiving and wonder and joy because life is good. But only if life could remain like this. The young like myself, naively sometimes believe that the world will always be like this. And us that are older, we let them live in their naivety. That they're just naive because we know what's coming. And those of us who know better wish these times of goodness would just stand still or that we could go back to the innocence of our youth. If you've lived long enough, you know that's not how life works. And whether it happens like that or over a slow, long season, you lose things. Your perspective changes. Your circumstances change. And so in Psalm 136, this great recital happens. And even though it's this praise, it's this offering of praise of what God has done, of his mighty deeds. It says this, he says, you've struck down the Egyptians. You divided the Red Sea and you brought your people through it. By your presence, you led them through the wilderness. You've provided for them and you've struck down kings and you've given them the land. And this is a great recital of all the good things God has done. It's like, cheer up. Look what God has done. Hallelujah. Praise, praise. But I want you to hear something. 
when we're reciting all of this and when Israel's reciting this long list of what God has done, this is after the fact. This is many years removed. And what you need to hear in this is not just what God has done, but you need to hear the disorienting moments that exist here. We were slaves in Egypt. We were welcomed strangers at one time in Egypt, but then over a period of time, we found ourselves as slaves in a foreign land. And we were suffering. And then, when we actually left Egypt, we were attacked by our enemies. And if you remember at the Red Sea, they're thinking, God, why did you bring us out here just to be slaughtered by the Egyptians? Our enemies are attacking us. And then once they're brought through the Red Sea, there's this time of sin where they create idols. And instead of making their way through the wilderness to the promised land, they end up there 40 years wandering through the wilderness. And then when finally they reach the promised land, there are all these other people there Look at our number. Look at them. How are we going to do this? We have no home. I'm not sure about our future. Where is all this going, God? And even though God gives them the promised land, not all of them make it. Not all of them make it out of the wilderness. And we must hear in this, not only a celebration of God's deeds, we must hear this very disorienting time in the life of Israel. Seasons of hurt, seasons of alienation, seasons of suffering, and seasons of death. And I want you to know something. There are 138 psalms, according to how we have them numbered. 138. And out of those 138, 60 of them are lament psalms. They're either lamenting over hardship and suffering, attacks by enemies. They may be lamenting over sin in their own life. Some of them are very angry with God. But 60 out of 138. And if you do the math... If you do the math, that's about 45% of the Psalms are laments. There was a survey done a few years ago where they looked at the songbook of several different hymnals. And I know these days we don't have hymnals, but we still sing out of those songs. And my guess is that if you looked at our Psalms, Brett and I have talked about this quite a bit, that if you looked at our psalm, songs and what's available for us to sing, most of our songs are praise songs, they're thanksgiving songs, they're songs about trust, and those are good. Those are the songs we love. But as they did a study of the hymnals, what they found was, they studied hymnals from the Baptist Church, the Presbyterian Church, and the hymnal of Song of Faith and Praise, which a lot of Church of Christ that still use hymnals use that songbook. What they found was 35 to 40% of the songs are about thanksgiving and trust. Three, 
30% are praise, and only 15% of the songs in our book that we sing are laments. 45% of the psalms are laments. So my guess is, if Israel, if you can imagine them coming in on Sunday morning, or what would have been Saturday morning, and having a time of praise and worship, and you could listen in onto their songs, half of the songs they would sing would be laments, because half, almost half of their songbook are laments. Brett and I have actually lamented that we don't have more laments. I, I mentioned that to somebody earlier today, and they said, yeah, how depressing would that be to come in and fit half of your songs or laments? And it might be, but here's one of the things I think culture tells us to. Don't be sad. Avoid pain at all costs. And the psalm says, that's not how life works. Sometimes you just can't avoid it. And the psalms actually give us voice to say, God, why? And it considers it praise. It considers it worship. It's an odd notion. But this is... This is the psalms they sing. And so there are psalms about being attacked and suffering. When you hear the news that it's cancer, we've heard that news before, many of us. When sickness comes, when enemies attack you, when they call you names and question your faith, Maybe it's an unfaithful spouse. Maybe it's a betrayal of a close friend. And so Psalms 102 may be a psalm for this group. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am distressed. Turn your ear to me when I call. Answer me quickly, for my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted with and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. You ever been there? In my distress, I groan aloud and I'm reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath. For you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. Or maybe Psalm 13 Maybe this has been your psalm. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, God. Or maybe there's been sin in your life 
And like David with Bathsheba, when Nathan says, and you are the man, you are the one, David. And David, Psalm 51, reads, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquities, and cleanse me from my sin, for I know the transgressions. I know my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful from my birth, sinful from the time of my mother, my mother conceived me, yet you desire faithfulness faithfulness even in the womb you taught me wisdom in that secret place cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean wash me and I will be whiter than snow let me hear joy and gladness let my bones you have crushed rejoice hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities create in me a clean heart O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Or maybe you are one that has had doubt and feels alienated by God or from God. Maybe you've lost loved ones or experienced depression and anxiety, the loss of of a job. Maybe it is that you've had to move to a new place. There's nothing more disorienting than moving to a new place. Maybe loneliness and rejection you felt. Maybe there's been some situation in your life where God has seemed so far away. And so Psalm 22 may be for you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out day and night, but you do not answer. And I find no rest. Guys, let me say this. This is the day we celebrate with you. But if you haven't experienced it already, there's going to be disorienting times coming. And we all wish that wouldn't happen. But we all know how life works. And as the psalmist said, you can trust his love endures forever. And these words can become your words. And these are faithful words, by the way. They take God very seriously. And that's our prayer for you. But there's not only psalms of disorientation. There's always another move in the text, an unexpected surprise, a new gift from God that he says at the end, he says, but he remembered us in our lowly state. He freed us from our enemies and he gives food to every creature. There is this new orientation that they enter into. 
by the end of it. Mike and Holly Osborne gave me permission to tell this story. Several years ago, Mike was working in politics. He is now, but several years back, he was working in politics. And he was doing very well and very successful. In fact, he was doing some uh, organizing some events and doing some fundraising uh, campaigns for a political organization. And they had one particular fundraising event that he organized. And he says, man, it went really, really well. And actually, the, the president of the organization we're raising funds actually came from out of town. And he was there. And he pulled me aside afterwards. And he says, Mike, I just want to say this event was awesome. But I want to let you know we're not renewing your contract after this year. You know how those conversations go. Mike was devastated, to say the least. But what ended up being a losing his job ended up lasting four years of not being able to fly, find meaningful, sustainable employment. He went from doing the job he loved and the, the world being ordered and good and right at that time, he and Holly were married. She was working at Oklahoma Christian University, and they had one kid. And it's like that. He was without a job. And then I imagine six months went by, and the realization, hmm, when's the job coming? And then a year went by, and then two years went by. And it goes without saying, the shame that he must have felt the embarrassment, the stress on the, the his marriage and his life, the anger, self-doubt. I could tell you, you begin to question yourself after a while. And during this time, they had two more children. And pretty soon... Holly's income wasn't quite enough to keep them going. And what was interesting, they made about $500 a year more than what the minimum was to receive government assistance. And Holly said this. She says, luckily I didn't really blame Mike, but I was very angry. And I blame God. And she says this, I blame God, and I said, God, what is going on? Why are you allowing this to happen? And she said, I'm really, she looks back on it, she said, I'm really glad I didn't blame Mike. I'm glad I blamed God, because God was big enough to take it. And she's right. He's big enough to take it. And so, through self-doubt and fear and anger, Blaming God. At just the moment where they were deciding they're going to have to sell their house and see if they could live off, live off what they earned from the selling of their house. At just that time, a check came to their door, an envelope came to their door. And inside was a check 
for $1,200. And guess what? The next month, another check came for 1200 bucks. And then the month after that, and the month after that, and for a full year, until Mike found full-time employment, one of God's people gave them $1,200 a month. They went from orientation where life was right and good to a four-year valley wandering through the wilderness where there was self-doubt and anger and questioning God. All these things we've read in the Psalms. And then in that moment, there's this new orientation. You feed those. You feed every creature. You've delivered us from our enemy. You've redeemed us from our lowly state. Orientation, disorientation, and new orientation. Martin Luther said this about the Psalms. He says, the Psalms are the gospel. And this is what I think he meant by that. That if you look in Philippians 2, the great hymn in Philippians 2, it says this, Jesus being in the very nature of God, orientation. This is normal, being in the very nature of God. He emptied himself. As you can imagine, was a very disorienting moment for God. And he became obedient even to death on a cross. And then God exalted him to the highest place that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess a new orientation in the world. This is the rhythm of the gospel where Jesus comes and is Messiah and all of these hopes that the world is good and then the disorienting moment where he dies. Only for new orientation where God raises Jesus up, Jesus up from the dead. This is the seasons of life. This is the rhythm of God's life. This is the rhythm of our life. And we have language. Praise be to God. For every season of life. As we close, I want to ask you to stand. And I want to read the last part, this new orientation part. And I ask that you guys do what you did at the beginning and respond as love endures forever. For this is God's new orientation. He remembered us in our lowly estate. And he freed us from our enemies. And he gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures.